Welcome to the third edition of the Ark & Co Roundtable. Today, we're going to talk about the predictions for 2020, the year ahead. Um, so we, we're going to look for some predictions now, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about sectors for, for each of you, but we'll start with the legal side of things. Um, Alex, you know, LIBOR, US-China relations, Iran, um, you know, global political situations. How is that going to affect us, and what's your prediction this year in terms of, uh, of the interests around the table? Well, I think... Um We've also got the US elections later in the year as well. Um, I think it'll be a year of two halves. I think people have, um, I think John may have already said that, you know, um, expecting a good first half of the year. Um, and then as that other uncertainty, the real political uncertainty creeps back in overseas and, and domestically, then we'll experience what we experienced last year, which inevitably is a slowing down um, of transactions and, um, people can try and hedge as much as they can in the documentation, but um, you know, if you can't really draft for everything, um, so we'll have to weigh that down and see where we get to. I mean, the one thing I would say is that um, through all the uncertainty and the expected downturn, because and uh, Julian's already mentioned this, we've and John as well, we've learned a lot from the past, from the last you know, global recession. Um, people's gearings, people's structuring is so much better this time around. So, okay, yes, there's been certain sectors that have hit the wall, construction in particular, but from our corporate side of things, the work that we do, we didn't see as much of that work pick up in terms of the insolvency practitioners. We know people gearing up their uh, receivership teams, and we know people who've got teams in, in the big clearers and other banks, and they've just been sitting on their hands. So I think that's quite interesting to see, actually, you know, we fear the worst, but it's not either coming to fruition or people are waiting it out. Do you think that was a consequence of the market? Because, you know, as a lender, and you can touch on this, guys, when, when it goes around the table, as a lender, if you've got a distressed asset and you know the value is not there to recover the funds that you've, you've, you've lent against it, you know, what do you do? Have you got a timeline with, with, with your, um, your funding lines? in order to sort it out? You know, do you press the button? Do you hold? Um, you know, that might have affected the, the sort of levels of insolvency. I know there's one or two that, that sat on their hands because they didn't want to take the haircut. Um, and now that they've gone through the tunnel, it looks like they, they won't need to. Um, do you think that, that would have affected that? I think so. I think people have still got in their minds the last downturn and people who generally held out seem to have rode out with the valuations coming back. We're in a very sort of small cycle at the moment, and depending on what sector of the market you're in, you know, alternatives we keep talking about is very counter-cyclical. So I think people have also factored in the costs, and speaking as a legal advisor, it is very expensive to take that route to press the button. And you know, that's going to be further taking a, a haircut off. But there's more, as we keep saying, the creativity and the innovation also stems on having a good relationship with a borrower, potentially, that means you can work together to, to work the asset. And I think there's more people out there that you know, are willing to, to take a view with their borrower, you know, uh, and lend them. Yeah, it's all about communication now. More communication is yeah. a lot better yeah. than last time because it was such, uh, you know, the haircuts last time around, okay, there was proper issues with the structuring, et cetera, but there was real you know, damage made. I think this time around, people are far more cautious, you're right, I think, from all angles to make sure that really that is the last resort. Um, 
But I mean, the, the reassurance of our jurisdiction is it's not like you know Italy or these other jurisdictions where if you do push the button, you could be waiting years yeah, for something to actually happen. So lenders always got that stick, but I think they're far more, uh, you know, as we say, the communication's a lot better now because I think we are all in it together and that's quite a good message to, to give everyone, you know, that we are working together Lawyers included. To it's much more fluid through the legals, the, the, the surveyor, the lenders. There's a bit more, bit more sort of transparency in what's going on there. Is what, is what you're saying? Yeah, and everyone's on the same page um, in terms of what's best, best outcome. Um, yeah. Michael, do you want to sort of add to that and talk about your thoughts and feelings on the residential side of things uh, in 2020? Um, well, I think um, I. I I, had, I have a few a few thoughts in terms of where where I think the market's going to go. Uh, I think first of all to pick up on I think maybe it was a bit of a plea from Julian regarding stamp duty. Um, I don't think that that's I don't think we're going to see the uh, I don't think we're going to see uh, uh, any material cut on stamp duty because I just think it's politically too um, it's just politically too toxic for. Um, for the Conservatives, particularly with their new, with their new Northern base, you know, they're sort of the re, re I mean, here we are talking in politics again, of course, but um, I just think that um, it, you know, every time people talk about it, you just think that it just doesn't feel, uh, doesn't feel realistic. Um, my, you know, the observations that that I would say is that I think that we are, we're already starting to see um, a return to. Uh, a return to the market of, of, of buyers, you know, people particularly in that kind of what I would call the executive space. Um, you know, where I live, it's, you know, relatively affluent and, you know, there, there are that kind of Surrey stockbroker belt type houses, which uh, the, mar uh, the market for which got really, really got, got stuck and, you know, the houses just weren't selling anything between anything north of a million, what, a, a million to a million and a half and upwards. Uh, nothing was really selling, and I think buyers are returning back to the market. I, I think mainly because they they now have that certainty about what's going to happen with Brexit. Um, but I think that filter that will filter down into the that is filtering down into the wider market and will filter down into the wider market, so that such that we will see uh, a greater number of uh, a greater number of unit sales. Um, I also think that we're going. Uh, I also think, particularly talking to see some of the residential development agents that I know uh, quite well, that there is also uh, an increased buoyancy in um, in demand for new site acquisitions. And probably that also chimes with what Ed, Ed was saying just now. So I think. We we're going to see uh, now. I think from the, I think in terms of the buyers, I think that that will continue pretty much the way through the year. Um, I think in terms of the development land side, um, that will very much depend on how the how the political side of things go um, and the trade talks go with with the EU. Um, and then to make a non a non another political prediction, I think Trump will get. Uh, I do think Trump will get re-elected in the end, um, and I think that will. Ultimately, whether you like him or not, that will give us additional stability uh, for the last quarter and in in 2021. Because we know how, uh, how, well, we don't know how it will go, but at least we know how it will be an uncertain time, although yeah. certain. Um, James, do you want to add to that at all? What's your thoughts? Uh, for the, uh, I was also echo what Michael said. I guess one thing we're looking at, which is actually past 2020 into 2021, is the change in the help to buy criteria, and that's very much on our radar um, outside of London, where the bans are decreasing um, so when we're looking at new schemes now we're if we're keen to keep 
a project within those helps by criteria, we need to be wary of that now and not just think, great, it's flats under 600 or house under 600,000, fantastic. Other than that, as I said earlier, I, just, I think we're quite keen to just carry on doing what we've been doing. We've we stepped away from that high end of the market a couple of years ago, and I think that helped us to build a fairly secure and strong book when it came to developments completing and, and, and trying to sell them. We, whilst sales have taken longer, um, and we've had to use our sales exit loans in some cases, we, we haven't been stuck with anything for so long that it just becomes unviable. Um, so I think just going forward, we're going like to... Have said, you had any distressed assets on your books last not, year? Not anything that... And actually, this comes on to what you were saying, Alex. We always, I think we would always take the, the approach that it's better to try and work with the client than just hit that button and go straight into receivership because instantly that, that asset has a reputation then that isn't so easily marketable. Mm. Um, and so we haven't had any distressed assets that we've pressed the button on, but there's certainly been projects where we're working with parties involved to try and find a or get to a positive solution sometimes it just needs a bit of management right? exactly it's, it's, you know, and if that's time consuming you need to make sure you've got the personnel on board that can deal with it but yeah. and the capacity to do exactly. so exactly because yeah. you don't want it to impact your new business capacity but yeah. um, ultimately I think we, we found it's the best solution usually sometimes you have to press the button but yeah, yeah. Um, Ed, I'm going to come to you next. Do you want to talk to us about um, you know, the, the sort of hotel student PRS market for, for the year and, and any predictions that you feel um, this year will bring, given the fact that you know, the election in the US is happening and, and all the other bits and pieces in Europe? And yeah, sure. So I think um, on a, from a debt perspective, what I'm seeing at the start of this year, and we're obviously at the very start of the year, um, but I am seeing more availability of um, particularly managed funds, so um, so uh, institutional debt that's managed here in the UK, um, and there is definitely more appetite. There appears to be more appetite because of the certainty, not around Brexit, I don't think, because that hasn't happened yet, but around um, uh, uh, government and power. Okay, so I, I guess. Everyone was concerned about Corbyn getting into power, weren't they? And that's gone away at the moment. Um, so I think there's, there's going to be more, more availability of uh, well-priced, well-leveraged debt um, for, um, for investors and developers um, in that space. Um, I think um, for them it will still be a very difficult year because uh, the pound is despite a gain at the end of last year, is suffering and will continue to suffer, no doubt, um, for the remainder of the year, or t particularly towards the end of the year. Um, and um, again, um, staff. You know, it's a tough time to, um, to take on staff and the cost of staff is increasing. And all of that plays uh, a part in particularly hotels. Good point. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... Somebody made a point about UK skilled labour. I think it was, uh, which I, I thought that highlights the sort of inconsistencies in the in the development side of things. John, um, can I ask you uh, what your thoughts are on the retail, leisure, and office side for for this year? <laughs> Clearly, it's a bumpy ground in in yeah. some of those uh, sectors, um, but you know there is demand. You know, I've got, I've got inquiries on my desk on all three sides. Um, you know, how are you guys feeling? Is the money going to be rolling out, or is it? I, I think I think there's definitely. When threat 
a sense of threat or a sentiment of threat turns to a sentiment of opportunity. I think that happened. And even though it wasn't on office and leisure, I bought a house stupidly to, well, didn't turn out to be stupidly, could have been, two weeks before the election result. And my fear as we um, completed, my, my, my sense was one of fear. It was one of, I saw people do this, exactly this sort of thing, and end up really regretting it. And then the moment the exit polls came out, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna make an absolutely loads of money on this property. <laughs> um, it, was, it, was, it was instantaneous sense of alteration of my sentiment towards this thing that I had done. Whereas in the end, over a 25 year period, it shouldn't have really mattered. Now the, so I think what, we, what we're seeing is, is a, sense of, a sense of opportunity. But what's important is it's underpinned this time, I think, by encouraging realities and that's the um, you've got industrial has been actually good for a while so even when we're all feeling negative industrial has, has been has been very very um, a very good asset for, for quite some time um, we've we've seen a collapse in value of, 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 um, of shopping centers for example sometimes about to 50% now that has to represent in some cases a real opportunity now if you said to people I'm gonna go out and buy a shopping center they think you need your head looking out but if, if it's you know 50% reduction in value it's got to be good we saw this in North than Ireland, or be on, on the residential side. Um, when we see um, things like enforcements, th this industry, generally speaking, is run by sensible people, and we've all been weathered. We've all seen the, you know, seen what happened. And the LTVs aren't ridiculous. When lenders come across problems now, I think in most cases those problems are solvable without having to take the asset. Of course, it's not happened every time, but I don't think we'll see this kind of ramp up in insolvency, ramp up in problems that starts to damage confidence. Um, office space is in, is in short supply. Fact. Um, now again, there are threats to that. You know, if everybody starts leaving, but I kind of get the feeling that if that was going to happen, it would have done so by now. Um, because things are, the sentiment is better now than it was before. So I think my, 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 my sense is one of, of, of overall positivity, um, even in our sector. But, and again, if you, it depends on how you look at it, I see the, the difficulty of the terrain as an opportunity because arrogantly or otherwise, I, I back myself and my colleagues to survive that difficulty and that by definition um, makes it makes an opportunity for us yet at the same time um, potentially a major threat for others. There is opportunity in, in every corner of the room. Um, Chris, what, what are your thoughts on, on all of what's just been said in regards to said, yeah, you know, residential some. GDVs, if you want to touch on that, yeah. um, talk to us about what we discussed earlier before we started, yeah. the retail side of things. Um, you know, John's shopping centres, uh, we're seeing a few of them being converted into hotels at the moment. Yeah. Um, that, that's quite a common uh, characteristic. Yeah. Um, so give us a sort of overview flavour on, on all yeah, those sectors. Yeah, I might throw can. something else in as well. Um, because I mean, in, in in effect, you know, some of our predictions for this year, I mean, commercial property returns positive because they're in effect negative last year, which has been drawn down by the, by the retail performing so badly. Um, but this year we're saying positive 5.8% total returns for commercial property. Um, and then we're positive um, for the first time in ages for residential, um, in indicating growth of 1% uh, for central London um, and 1.5% for the rest of the UK. So again, a, a, a a good improvement in sentiment from, from in effect, declining values over the last um, few years. 
Um, and, and there's no doubt that might be increased if we were to have um, uh, a, uh, a decline in interest rates, base rates, which we haven't really discussed today, given the uh, low inflation environment um, that's, uh, that, that we're in as a result. Although I think that might be quite early and reactionary because you know, we do need to have some levers in the economy to, to, to help things. So generally um, positive, nothing, nothing dramatic next year. Um, but things that we're now having to look, look forward long term that, 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 that might have more impact um, include obviously the climate change um, uh, discussions that, uh, and, 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 and highlighting that through, through the net zero carbon um, and how that might impact both commercial property and particularly residential land. Uh, there's a bit of a concern there about given the increasing costs, no one's quite clear how great, how much greater the costs will be for producing net zero carbon homes um, and flats, how that will impact um, in particularly the, the, the land market and long term obsolescence of buildings. And on the, on the other side of that, with um, institutions and banks following environmental social governance policies, how does that impact on what they lend on? They're going to be more choosy about um, product. Now, the counter side to that is, is if there is something that is not, um, is an underperforming asset because it fulfills the lots of criteria that people won't lend on, then that's someone else's opportunity. But certainly from the institutional money, particular, um, when it comes to responsible property investment and ECG, as we call it, um, lending, then that might make some long-term changes to, the, uh, to that, that, that uh, equity and uh, lending debt provisions. It's almost like we could start the conversation again in regards to uh, what you've just brought up there. Um, just, just really quickly uh, to the lenders, um, what are your thoughts on exactly that, the, the, the change of asset class? So, for example, you know, the residential side of things being more, um, more socially acceptable from an environmental perspective. Do you, have you, just really quickly, have you seen a lot of that and do you like it? You know, because if you're lending on something and you understand what you're lending on, if that is being uh, changed or that, that, that asset is you know, dynamic, you know, moving from what you, you would ask a, a surveyor to, to value to being an electric home with a solar panel, etc. You know, how, how do you feel about that? Is there more risk? Is, is it a cut in LTV? Is it, you know... I, I think, you know, I, th I think picking up on the points that Chris is making, you know, if you start to, um, you know, if you start to make it more expensive to build a... Uh, to build a, a home, and because that's being driven by um, environment, you know, effectively environmental regulation, environmental requirements, um, you know, and, and notwithstanding that's something that's already quite an important, you know, is quite an important factor with, you know, in terms of um, EPCs and G ratings, both in the resident and commercial sector. Um, you know, it's something you do have to look at and do have to take seriously. I think, you know, normally, you know, the the impacts of those things will probably be felt less. Of the requirements, the additional requirements that you might have, whether that's PV or or some other, you know, har harvesting, those costs are much easier to, to swallow um, in places like London, the southeast, where you've got higher, you know, higher pound per square foot exits than you might do in a in a in a lower that you know lower GDP pound per square foot GDP location. So you know you can absorb those costs a little bit more without impacting too much on the profit. Got a headroom there, isn't you got, you got yeah, a headroom. It yeah. won't impact the residual in, in quite the same way. Um, so I think you just have to you have to look at each 
each case on its merits and, 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 and assess that. Sort uh, of holistic view, if you like, right? Yeah. Um, just quickly, James, do you want to sort of give us... Yeah. Have, you did, did you, have you done many? You no, know? no, that's what I was going to say. We haven't seen a major swing towards um, those sort of schemes coming to us um, and going through planning yet. But clearly it's on the agenda and we'll, we'll be asked to appraise more of them going forwards. I don't know. So the awareness is there, if you like. I think it has to be. And I would echo that it all comes down to appraising each scheme on its own merits mm. and making sure that what the bill costs are, yeah. you know you've got a clear yeah. exit. Yeah. And John, do you want to throw a couple of words? I mean, I, th I think money will rule in the end, right? We all care about the environment, not genuinely. And I think the politicians do as well. And I think industry leaders, I'm not being cynical and saying I don't care, but the reality is, is I don't, well, I say I don't think, I hope that anything that caused a... Um, that caused damage to the to the property market ultimately wouldn't make it through um, and also I think people are motivated principally by money in their choices anyway so is it does it make economic sense um, do people buy electric cars in central London because they care about the environment or is it just a congestion charge <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah very good parking. Very so good I think yeah. in the, you know in the end that that's what will yeah, yeah. So um, just to wrap this up, Ed, I'm going to come to you next, and then Julian, if you want to uh, say a couple of words from from Arc's perspective. Um, how are we feeling? And you know, with our partners around the table, uh, what are we looking forward to this year? I like. I, th I think uh, having been in the business for ten years, I look at things from a bit of a distance instead of too close up. And you know, we are fortunate enough to work with a fantastic portfolio of lenders, lawyers valuers. I really do think the professionals in London are the, be the best professionals or some of the best professionals in the world. And, you know, no matter what's thrown at us, whether it's, you know, retail dropping another 20% as a business, as an industry, we'll deal with it and we'll come out on top. And, you know, like every year, I'm really excited about not just a positive year ahead, but the challenges that, 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 that any downturn or any concerns around Brexit might bring, because as an industry and um, as a company, we'll deal with them. We will. Julian, any final thoughts in terms of that discussion? Yeah, I think just, um, just picking up on what Chris and uh, Michael were just talking about, you know, if there's a, for, to, to build a, a house that's more environmentally friendly, if the cost goes up by 10% to do it and that becomes code and that's, you know, that's the way people are going to build their houses, then, then that's fine. There's only one thing that can happen, that's the land prices reduced. So it's going to be about... Um, it's going to be about educating the, the, the vendor and the, and the site purchase, which has always been the case. Um, yeah, we've seen yeah, this year, we've touched on it before, yeah, every developer client I've spoken to this year is complaining about escalating build costs. So it, it happens, it fluctuates. Um, and, and I think that leads me into to really um, deal quality. Last year, what I'm excited about this year is seeing, a, you know, hopefully a little bit more quality. Last year felt, you know, it's late cycle. Ed referred to a deal where he looked at last year and it, it, it didn't work. This year, the price is right. Potentially, it'll work. So, by, you know, it's a message to develop. Don't chase the deals. Buy the right deals. And if it doesn't work for you and your, your profit's too low and you're trying to stretch your... Yeah, your GDP is not high enough and you're trying to stretch your lending, you know, it's, is it the right deal for you? And I think 
you know, there were a lot of people that were that were probably chasing deals last year to, you know, for whatever reason, um, but pro probably to, to drive cash flow. But this year, I think you're going to see a little bit more quality uh, shining through. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you, and I think you'd uh, you'd all agree with me that not one cash flow statement never sort of stays the same throughout the project. It always tends to differ, um, and that's probably a good point that you've made. Um, to wrap this up, you know, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, I think we all agree that you know it's another challenging year ahead of us, albeit with a bit of clarity on the table now. Um, but you know, with, with with the Brexit deal on the horizon, uh, with the U.S. election, with other things going on in Europe, um, it will be bumpy. Um, but if we all stick together and and discuss like we have done today, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to where we need to go in the end. Uh, so thank you very much for joining, uh, and we look forward to seeing you very soon. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.